part of the experiment right here on experimentally ill radio what's up everybody i'm your host michael phelan o'toole and this is going to be experimentally ill radio uh, episode 105 for uh, february 23rd 2019 and uh oh yeah uh, i'm excited about this one it's another uh on a location um chat so in a little bit we're gonna we're going to whisk you away and uh, going to uh, hear uh, my uh, my friend, the great punk champion and rock and roll journeyman, T.J. Welch of the punk bands The Welch Boys and formerly The Blue Bloods. For uh, everyone who is a fan of New England punk rock and... Uh, and if you're not, well, just normally what we have here on uh, the podcast, uh, we just have, uh, you know, my uh, my tribe, Find Your Tribe. That We have, uh, you know, alternative artists, sort of uh, oddball uh, creative people at large, kind of overcoming some obstacles, sometimes personal obstacles, sometimes obstacles in front of you, just the message of the show that keeps ringing true is just persistence, you know, being a DIY artist, uh, TJ, um, is, uh, the reason we're going to whisk you away is because, uh, you know, catch this catch can here, the last couple of episodes, grabbing, um, creative folks to document the conversation and connect. Um, it's been, a, you know, been in the field, uh, you know, I was invited to go and do camera uh, for TJ's long-running TV series that he does called Sonic Lobotomy. And uh, that's available on uh, several um, community television stations uh, in uh, New England. But uh, you can also, of course, check it out on demand, youtube.com slash Sonic Lobotomy. And I believe it's also uh, facebook.com slash Sonic Lobotomy Boston. So, um, you know, uh, really, uh, 
for years now, I've been just a fan, you know, I got into to video and all that, but uh, just a fan of, um, of uh, sort of the alternative scene and uh, music and uh, really, especially in the past 10 years or, and, or so, uh, really got into uh, the punk subculture and punk rock music. So um, it's really, uh, it's great to, uh, to connect with TJ again. I, I probably knew about 10 years ago from doing stuff at the Brookline Access television station uh, when my buddy Lawrence Holly was the uh, station manager at the time. He kept it open late and um, he was also, you guys know, uh, fans of the show will know, uh, you know, sort of my video and film uh, partner and also uh, the former uh, co-host of this podcast, you know, and uh, had a crew of people here together, much like a band. And, and then there was one. Uh, I'm left. I am, am the sole survivor. The flowers are still standing. Uh, you know, it's just me. Uh, the show is still standing, episode 105. Um, and again, the message of persistence in the do-it-yourself, you know, subculture of, you know, whether it's punk or just art in general, uh, indie media, you know, if you don't see this just talking, doing a podcast as art, you know, you, you don't need to be an artist to be inventive, you know, and this is my invention, uh, like, uh, like TJ Welch invented the Sonic Lobotomy TV show, you know, you, you see a hole, you, you see a void and you fill it, uh, you know, art can be your missing piece or that, that invention. I do the podcast for for me to hear it and for and for you to hear it um and uh you know but it's really just um best case scenario making a log of this kind of strange trip i've been on and uh you guys kind of come with me and uh think about that movie and that or that album that song you put on you know and for for a few minutes you know you're 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 feeling good it, it gets you through and of course you know all those things can't replace, you know, family, friends, everything else. And, and, you know, directly, you know, talking to somebody if you're having some, some problems or whatever, but, uh, but man, uh, art really, um, keeps us from, from going, uh, going off the deep end sometimes entertainment, you know, here in this world today, you know, we really, people can be critical of how, how kind of homogenized like entertainment is and everything. But, uh, you know, the, the mainstream of the mainstream, right? Like, Oh, it's not unique, but, Sometimes even that stuff can uh, can help you escape a little bit uh, for some time. And TJ, TJ Welch, uh, he is, uh, there's no other show I've really found in uh, New England that really, and beyond, that, uh, you know, has really made sort of a an effort to preserve and present, um, you know, these great bands, uh in the underground scene that, you know, especially if you're underage, especially if you can't get out to the clubs, the bars, whatever, maybe you're, you wouldn't have seen him otherwise. And he's presenting it, you know, with three cameras in a studio with good sound, you know, uh, it's really a great thing. You know, uh, I used to go into the Brookline access television station and I, I would hear this sound, this, this rock is billowing out and, you know, for every person who might say, turn that racket down, you know, you know, or, you know, like Footloose, right? The town that outlaws music. Uh, there's um, somebody like me who's looking for, who's looking for a scene and a place maybe they grow up and you feel weird. You feel like you don't fit in and you find 
that uh, you find the punk scene or you find the indie film scene or or you find the podcast that that uh, you know artists they say that thing that that you couldn't say and in the best case scenario it's a conversation right not just in a vacuum you uh, you you want to write your own thing then you know but in the meantime you know you got those great tunes at least they're out there um, so for all the indie music fans and the indie media fans. Uh, here's to your flock. February 23rd, 2019, episode 105, Experimental Little Radio. I'm here, Mike Fallon O'Toole. I'm here with my buddy TJ Welch Hello. of the Welch Boys and the Blue Bloods. And we just, uh, we just checked out another episode of his TV show, Sonic Lobotomy. When I was, we just checked out uh, a Ramones cover band and a Clash cover band. So tell me a little, a little bit about uh, these guys. Oh, that was just a fantastic episode. I think that was episode 69 and 70 of a, a local Boston rock television show I do called Sonic Lobotomy that I've done since 2007 or 6. I started the show back then when uh, a friend of mine who did a couple Welch Boys videos, um, he's... Uh, since left left this uh, mortal coil, his name was Joe Macon. He passed away about four or five years ago. But he was um, he had a, uh, a rare muscle disease that eventually took his life. But I was always inspired by him because he was in a wheelchair and he managed to do all this wonderful video work. He edited and shot a video for Dark Buster Skinhead that you can see out there on YouTube. Uh-huh. Uh, and he did the course six one seven, which is a Welch Boys song, our first video and another video for us called uh, Les Paul. So, you know, he was a good friend of mine, inspirational guy, I miss him a lot. And he actually helped doing the first few episodes of Sonic Lobotomy and, and did the show until he, he, you know, couldn't drive anymore. And mm-hmm. um, as his disease progressed, it got tougher and tougher for him. But, uh, so it was Joe Macon's idea in mind to, do, to start the show out and I keep it going many years later. And every episode when I do a show, I think of Joe. Mm-hmm. You know, and think he's maybe up there in heaven, you know, watching. Uh, so that's one of the reasons I do it. Another reason is uh, being in a local band uh, in Boston. I love this city and I love the music in this town. And and to, it it gives in in my mind it gives bands a chance to uh, be be seen by a wider audience, um, and uh, gives them more exposure. Uh, it's really not a, a big budget show, but it's. I, I think we do a pretty good job considering that we got no budget. Right. And uh, we've shot over the years, like I've done 70 episodes, so we've had some good bands on over the years. We've had Dark Buster, we've had The Freeze, Kill Slug. Oh, so many great bands, uh, bands you know and bands you wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we started shooting in, I live in Danvers, uh, Massachusetts, so we started shooting at Danvers Access Cable. 
and for different reasons, we, we uh, migrated to uh, Brookline Cable, mm -hmm. which is where I met you. That's right, where we started. Let me, we did uh, with our buddy Lawrence Hawley, who was the station shout manager at the time. Yeah, kept, the, uh, kept the channel open late, and I got to do some camera work on your show and got to direct some, uh, some episodes, and that was really fun. It's cool to connect back here at Salem Access. Yeah, yeah, actually, we landed here at Salem, uh, in Salem, Mass, and uh, these guys are very accommodating, and they edit the show for me, which is a bitch of a job. If you've ever done video editing, it's time-consuming. So so I took a few years off of doing it, and I came back and said, hey, if you guys edit it for me, I'll do it again. Right. So here we are, and today we had the good fortune of shooting a couple of tribute bands to uh, Ramones and a Clash tribute band, mm -hmm. uh, and I thought it was a fantastic episode. Mm -hmm. And I uh, can't wait to get it edited out there and <laughs> right. give these guys some Pretty fun. iconic, pretty iconic bands. I think uh, you've always kind of been, to me, uh, pretty pretty clear. I mean, this is your, like, punk rock and that whole thing. That's that's your passion, kind of been a champion of that whole thing and then kind of using media to get it out there. I think, like, that's kind of always been your thing. You've been doing the TV show now for years and then didn't, um, I think you had done college radio, right? And done yeah, kind of rock yeah. and roll. Sonic, the name of the show is Sonic Lobotomy. Yeah. Uh, and Sonic Lobotomy actually started uh, in 1984 or five, my freshman year of college when I started a radio show. And I really liked punk rock music growing up. I used to go to the matinee shows at the channel and go see SSD Control. That's right. Yeah, I, I don't want to call you old, but it's one of those, the, like the t-shirt that says, I might be old, but I've seen all the cool bands. Yes. That's what I think of like with you, because like, we're going to ask you about the Ramones, and you've seen like all these like iconic punk bands, you know? Black Flag. and yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like in the heyday, you know, like oh. not the rehashed versions of these bands that come out, you know? Like, yeah, I was a junkie for punk rock, uh -huh. a little 14-year-old stage diver when I was younger. Yeah. Uh, and then I went to college, and, and when I was 17 or 16 or whatever, and well, how old were you when you get to college? 18. My son's in college, going to college, yeah. so he's 18. So, so I was 18, and I started a radio show, and I, I liked the Ramones and mm -hmm. that song Lobotomy, and, uh, and then the Sonic, the alliteration, the O sound, right? Mm -hmm. you know, so I, I did Sonic Lobotomy for four years in college. It was a radio show. It was all punk and hardcore. Mm -hmm. uh, and you got to pick up the music and host it and everything? And yeah, oh, yeah. It was fun, you know, and, um, and then uh, years after that, I, I took the idea to video with Joe Macon in, mm -hmm. in probably, you know, 2006 or so we started up. So what did, what did, how, how did Joe kind of inspire you to, to think to do a video element to it? Well, I uh, had a, a video in mind, an mm -hmm. idea in mind for a song I wrote called 617 off the mm -hmm. first Welch Boys album, and mm -hmm. I... I forget how I hooked up with Joe, maybe over the internet or something. Mm -hmm. You know, video producer that really didn't charge a lot of money, right? Uh -huh. uh, so, he, so he knew what he was doing as far as the video, and you were kind of bringing the punk, yeah. the punk rock stuff into it. Joe knew how to edit and uh -huh. shoot video. He had a good eye for it. And, you know, it was just, when I first met him, I, he, was out near, he lived out near Worcester. You know, I, I saw, shit, this guy's in a wheelchair. And then I got the story from him about, you know... The, did, you the not, did you not know when you were talking I to him, and then he just kind of showed up? Uh -huh. Yeah, so... To me, I was just taken aback by, you know, mm -hmm. what he, with a disability, what he was, his vision and, and what he was capable of doing. Mm -hmm. uh, it was inspirational. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, and uh, made me, you know, feel like, shit, this guy can do this in a wheelchair, you know, mm -hmm. you know. Just motivated me and inspired me. And Joe became a good friend of the whole bands. We took him to, we played with the Dead Kennedys at CBGB's about 2010 or whatever. 
And we just grabbed his fucking wheelchair and put it up on stage with us when we played. So that was right when CBGs was closing down. Wow. You, know? you can't get much more iconic, I think, than the Family of the Dead Kennedys and that CBGBs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had his yeah. video camera there for that show. He was always had his video camera going. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was tough to lose him a few years ago, and his memory will always be alive with, with Sonic mm-hmm. Lobotomy. Mm-hmm. So this was with your band, uh, the Welch Boys. That, yeah. And you've done a ton of stuff uh, opening for these big bands like Dead Kennedys, uh, Sham 69, I think, right? Yeah. A, a bunch of... Uh, business. Yeah. The Dropkicks. Uh, right, the Dropkick Murphys, which I listened to here. Uh, there's that... Uh, with both your bands, the Welch Boys and the Blue Bloods are on Spotify. It's kind of mixed into my workout playlist oh, now, yeah. so I think it's really cool. Uh, I, I love the Dropkick Boys. Murphys. The, the, yeah. yeah, I love the Blue Bloods, too. Uh, What's your, I think it's your cover of uh, Authority Song, I think. Is that, oh, yeah, that's yeah, like one of my favorites. Song, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the Welch Boys definitely has that sound, like like the dropkick, kind of that, like, I don't know, is it, it's like a like a pub rock kind of, or the oi sound, right? Or the, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're playing the, uh, April 6th, we're playing the Northeast Oi Fest. So I guess mm-hmm. we are uh, considered an oi band, I don't know, with labels, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Right. Um, definitely a Boston. There's definitely a lot of Boston stuff in the in the songs, right? I mean, you're like the founding guy in the. Do you write all the Do you write all the, write all the songs, or is it a collaborative thing? Or? Yeah, we all try to write them together. You know, I, I I write a lot of them, but I try not to bring a whole song. I try to get the other guys mm-hmm. to chip in, and then sometimes the other guys got a whole song that they bring, but. But I think every Welch Boy song at some point has everyone in the band throwing it mm-hmm. with ideas or editing it or, you know, we hel- all help each other write songs, lyrics, whatever the hell. Even my wife helps me write lyrics. Like, I'll write what I think are fantastic lyrics and she'll look at it and go, this sucks. <laughs> Change that one. Right? So, so it's, um, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's a bigger group effort uh-huh. than, than you realize listening to it. It's not, not one guy's riffs and one, you know, it's, uh-huh. um, but... Yeah, we have fun. You know, we're just starting to write some new stuff again after a few years of. There's that album, uh, Bring Back the Fight. Is the oh, yeah, album it's right? Our last album. Yeah. It just got released on vinyl in Germany. Wow. So how do you how do you work that out? Europe last year, uh-huh. and uh, we hooked up with some cool people, and they were like, "Yeah, we want to put your CDs out on vinyl." And I'm like, uh-huh. "All right." So, so it was good to see uh, one of our records on vinyl. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So that's like you mentioned, like running it by your wife and stuff, and being a fan of the stuff. So long is it tough to kind of like balance like a family life and like that that kind of thing with the band stuff and yeah it is it's any any musician who does that i think it is Mm -hmm. um you know i got three young boys um but i've got you know a pretty tight family and a understanding wife i mean we're playing punk rock bowling in vegas in in Mm -hmm. may right so we go out there for the weekend i take my wife with me on that and hopefully she can enjoy herself and you know she's uh she's great She's hey, I met her in 1986 at a free show. Nice. So I mean, she didn't you have those? Weren't those guys on Sonic Lobotomy? Yeah, pretty recently. It came, it came full circle. Yeah, I had a freeze on Sonic <laughs> Lobotomy. So, so you know, yeah, no, she's she's put up with a lot over the years and, and given me the freedom to uh, to make the music and um, you know, she's my Linda McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Better than like Yoko Ono or something. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Yoko Ono's doing Dark Side of the Moon now, I guess. Oh, yeah. She's going to do like the whole album. And I saw a video clip of her doing that song where the, the woman sing on Dark Side. Mm-hmm. It's just truly horrible. <laughs> 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 but I like Yoko just for doing that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Didn't you run it? Did you hear some bad karaoke recently too? I think on She tricked the other night at the casino. My buddy calls me up. He gambles a bit. Well, he's not a gambler, but he, he gambles enough to get free cheap trick tickets at Mohegan Sun. So he says, So he won them? Yeah, let's get a hotel room. We'll go down there with glass. And so we saw a great cheap trick show down there. I love him, even though Bunny Carlos is no longer in the band. Uh, and then after we were hungry, we were like, let's get a burger. So we went up to the restaurant in Mohegan Sun, and they had karaoke night. And there was this guy who did a Brian Adams song, Summer 69, and he just did it so horribly. And he was just... <laughs> He was just hilarious. He was a roly-poly guy. Uh, so I took a video of it, threw it out on Facebook, and got like 100 hits or something. But it was worth <laughs> witnessing just so it's funny that, you know, to see that just sometimes, you know, I go to karaoke not to see the guy who nails it. I go for karaoke to see the guy who butches it. Because <laughs> I'd be like that, too. I, I don't do much karaoke, but when I do, I got a few beers. I mean, it's uh, horrible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you play guitar for the Watch Boys, right? Like, not, not uh, singing, right? I do right? background uh-huh. vocals, but, any, you know, anyone can do background vocals. <laughs> like, there's a lot of demos of the Welsh Boys songs, the ones like that I've written, you know, where I'll do a vocal, and um, mm-hmm. it's not that good. Just to, just to get an idea, yeah. to kind of present the idea. Right. What is Ed it? is such a, our singer is such a good singer mm-hmm. compared to me, mm-hmm. but... You know, it, at least I get the melody out, mm-hmm. but you'll never hear those demos from these. <laughs> they're, they're never going to be heard. Yeah. Uh, I want to go, go back to the Sonic Lobotomy, the, the radio show. We, we got to mention, I, you've told this story a bunch of times, but it's an awesome story. Uh, we had the Ramones cover band in, and you got to, you got to uh, interview somebody for your, for your radio show, right? The, uh, oh, yeah. When I, well, after like a couple years in college radio, I, I became like the station music manager, not the station manager, but the mm-hmm. music manager. So my job was to get records in and play records and put stuff in heavy rotation. And this is in the 80s when college radio was kind of seen as, as a place that broke bands, right, like right. REM and different bands got broke by college radio. They weren't mm-hmm. going to get played in the mainstream. It was an alternative. Mm-hmm. So alternative, what is alternative to what? Well, it was alternative to all the crap, the old classic rock junk, you know, it was the new stuff. And that thrived on, on the uh, left of the dial, you know, all the college radio stations back then. And it still does. Especially in Boston, seemed like broke a lot of... Oh, yeah, yeah, Rats and all those stations. Yeah. So, you know, we had a pretty good... Uh, I was at Fitchburg State College at the time. We had, mm-hmm. you know, a thousand watts or whatever we had. We went... 30 miles in either direction. So so we got some attention from record labels and lots of free records. And I had, after a while, I had connections with different people at labels. And I, I was able to talk my way backstage to get interviews and free tickets in college. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, one of the shows was the Ramones at the Club Casino. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went in line to get in there. And uh, Gigi Allen came up to me. And he had on fishnet stock and shaved head and blood. You know, and it was just like... <laughs> forced me to buy a record from him you know i think it was the i want to rape you single yeah so he's like you can't kid buy this from me so i can buy beer and you know and i won't hurt you and uh so i did that and then i got into the club and uh, got backstage and got to hang out with the ramones like all night eat pizza with them (laughs) i interviewed him i got it on a cassette somewhere well i have to get if you can get me a copy that i can stick this on yeah that onto this we can it's all the first blue bloods album i I, I put the, like almost a whole thing, but backwards. Oh really? So okay. the last song on the first. Blue so Blue if Blue. I pull that, if I pull that song, yeah, it's, it could be on Spotify actually. Uh-huh. So that's that's the interview there, and then you got to it's backwards. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, <laughs> so this was before the before the show or after the show or 
with the Ramones? Uh, this was before the show. And uh, I was maybe 17, 18, 19, whatever. And, uh, yeah, just talking to them and eating pizza with them and interviewing them. They were nice guys. Mm-hmm. It was cool. I loved the Ramones so much, and it was just cool to, to hang out with them. I, I mean, at that point, had their, had their kind of, like, legend, you know, I mean, at this point, the legend kind of precedes them, yeah, of course, with all the T-shirts the and everything. But yeah. Late to mid-'80s, so they were, so they were kind of, like, on peak. toward the end or the peak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Joey was not talking to Johnny, and I didn't realize it at the time, you know, because mm-hmm. I tried to get him to talk together. Joey would say, oh, you go talk to him on that, you know. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize the tension between the two of them. Uh-huh. It was just right. awkward, but uh, Dee Dee was cool. Did have memories? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, like, the, all the documentaries and stuff that are, that that was like, let, I guess, was Johnny was kind of the militant one that was keeping the whole thing to get together or... Very, uh, very specific. Like we talked about, people with the OCD, kind of that. John was the OCD guy, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know what? I could have been exaggerated too. I don't know if they really hated each other totally. They wouldn't have been able to function as a band. Uh-huh. Um, but I did sense some isolation <laughs> between. Some tension them. in the room. Yeah. Uh, eh, I'm sure you know they had political differences and whatnot, but I'm sure they they had cared for each other. You right. Know I mean? Johnny was a big conservative. A big Reagan yeah, fan, I think. yeah, you know, I may have done that in reaction to Joey's being a big liberal, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. The point and counterpoint, that lightness and shade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when so when you get, could you just was that because now I'm thinking like everyone has a podcast now. Was college radio was a big enough thing? Could you get get backstage just fine, or did you have to kind of talk your way into it, or did I, they just I pick my spots and get yeah. favors from people? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got backstage for the Murphy's Law Beastie Boys show and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I talked to the guy at Warner for that one, and um, that was fun. You know, Billy Idol played that one, yeah, so hanging out with those Beastie Boys are a mess. It was a riot backstage. They were just <laughs> crazy parties. It was a little riot. And then the Ramon uh, Replacements was a real good one because oh, really? I showed up early at that one. They played at uh, Axis or whatever the name of the club was on Lansdowne at the time, uh-huh. and they were just starting to get big. Let It Be had just come out, and, uh, you know, they decided this is the local guy we're going to drink with. <laughs> so, I mean, that was just one of these deals where I got there at, like, noon and hung out with them, and 20 beers later, I, and the next morning, the sun's coming up, and I'm <laughs> waking up on a park bench or something. I don't remember. So, I think I, I, think I had you a saw the shows, though. Yeah. 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 I remember seeing, and they were really partying their brains out. The, the replacements were the ones that stick out of my memory as being the craziest fuckers. You know? <laughs> yeah. They were just... Oh. And that was, like, in the 80s, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. That was... Right about when I turned drinking age. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they were a good bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul, what, West, West, Westburg, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Tommy Stinson. Yeah, they're, they're a great band. Uh, you know, not many people know about them anymore. They're kind of, but uh, they were really, at one point, they were like the biggest alternative band and, and one of my favorites, you know. And, and well, it's, they're still big, but it's like they haven't done many reunions or anything. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's some bands get amplified more in retrospect than others, but I always I felt like, like the replacement should be bigger than they are. Uh-huh. I mean, the Ramones were pretty big. I think one of the bands kind of big in retrospect was like, uh, would you say the Misfits? Like that kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bigger and now the Misfits are back together playing gigs again for a hundred bucks a ticket. Yeah, or something. The original Misfits yeah. with uh, Danzig, right? And then uh, yeah, that's an interesting. That's the whole thing of these like these uh, the punk bands now that come back for kind of the nostalgia tour. Money, yeah, yeah. They deserve it. You know, the Misfits really 
had that their own sound. No one sounded like it. They had a, an actual punk singer that could sing like Elvis, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and they sang about some cool, weird shit, you know, horror movies. <laughs> All the horror and, stuff. Yeah. yeah, so they had their shtick. And, uh, yeah, I like the Misfits. <laughs> uh, you know, and they, they knew how to write a song with a hook. Yeah. You know, and they kind of, their music, like the Ramones, harken back to the, the, the basic rock and roll of the 50s and mm-hmm. the basic chord structures and melodies. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess I'm glad to see him back. I don't know if I can afford to see him, but. That's right. I don't know. Wasn't it like a few, they did a few reunion things. I don't know if it's going to be a whole, yeah, a whole tour now. Awesome. I consider it, but uh-huh. um, it'd be nice, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love, that's one of the bands I'd love to, to see. Yeah, okay. yeah, I seen I seen Sam Hain, which was his band after the Misfits, uh-huh. and then I seen Danzig's Danzig's solo to me is a little more too metally and too right. It's more of like yeah. a metal sound. Look at my muscles type stuff. Right? <laughs> Look at my muscles. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, when I play shirtless, it's it's, <laughs> it's ugly. <laughs> well, that's all the bands are like getting older too, so it's yeah, it's kind of like. <laughs> But it's like, yeah, the bands that it's always cool to see like the original guys come back because I know the uh, is it uh, the bassist Jerry only came out with a couple of different couple of different versions and then he was singing and it's not the same no. sound really. Yeah, you really Danzig is a unique singer with a real nice baritone. I always liked his voice um, and his melodies and his songwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a local guy or he lived in Revere, Mass for a while or something. Yeah. So. It, I, they are from New Jersey, though, but mm-hmm. I think Danzig may be from this area. But yeah, no, yeah, you know, I, I could. I'm not really into the Satanism, that type <laughs> right, of stuff, right. too much. But I don't think he is yeah, either. So I think it's kind of like a, a <laughs> tongue in cheek. Some, some rationale. Some rationale behind it. That's not. Yeah, yeah. Like it. That's what. Well, that was what was great with the the Misfits is kind of the tongue in cheek horror stuff. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't think you can take that, you know, I raped your mother today or something. <laughs> right, right, you know, right, I mean, right. no, you can't take that seriously. <laughs> it's just off the charts. So, yeah. So any anything from the Ramones interview that you remember? Or is it just a memory because it happened at all? Or was there any, any anything yeah. good you got out of that? Well, at the time, they had just come out with the Too Tough to Die album. Mm-hmm. And they had two or three songs on there that were, like, almost hardcore, real fast. And I liked fast, hardcore music at the time. I was really into bands like, you know, Bad Brains and DRI. And, mm-hmm. You know, and I asked him, I said, oh, you know, this new album has some aggressive stuff on it. And uh, they mentioned that uh, they were inspired by the new hardcore suicidals they mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they, they were the originators of punk being influenced by a later generation of punk. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know that's one of my favorite Ramones albums, Too Tough, Tough to Die. You know it had Warthog on it, mm-hmm. and uh, it's yeah they they were still relevant even ten years after they invented punk. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. I remember asking that, and I don't know. I was you know at the time I was had a few bears in me, so I don't. Remember. <laughs> yeah. right. I, I'd like to hear that. Sounds familiar. I haven't heard it in a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And then you, you kind of got a reputation as an interviewer, even even today, doing Sonic Lobotomy, the TV show. But then tell me all about the, um, there was a documentary called Boys From Nowhere that you were doing oh, yeah. a post-screening. It was like a movie screening tour, and you were uh, interviewing the guy afterwards who made the movie, I think. Yeah, um, when I was growing up in Malden, um, a friend of mine got, um, Chris Parsons his name, he, he was a pretty good guitar player. 
And uh, him and his brothers had a band, and they lived, you know, I knew him from school and stuff. I went to Malden Catholic with him. So, you know, Chris kind of got me interested in guitar, showed me a few chords, got me playing guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I kind of kept in touch with him my whole life. Um, and when he, at some point, you know, Chris was always into that early Boston scene with the neighborhoods and, you know, um, fucking uh, Nervous Eaters and bands like that, uh, Liars and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So he, at one point he just said, you know, hey, I'm going to make my own documentary. Mm-hmm. And it about took that whole that whole scene, the rat bit. scene, you know, the whole yeah, the rat, all the cool yeah. clubs you got to go to that they all those closed, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. The rat, yeah, and the Canton, the Channel, yeah, yeah. yeah. The ch- so, um, you know, he made a movie and he wanted to document all the bands in the rat scene in the late seventies, but he ended up saying, "Well, I got to narrow it down to like four or five. So, you know, he decided on uh, the nervous heaters, the neighborhoods. Uh, uh, Willie Local Alexander, and uh, the, um, the Liars maybe was one of them, or DMZ, which was before the Liars, mm-hmm. and I forget what the other bands. So he kind of narrowed it down to a finite amount of bands, and, and kind of did a retrospective on that era. Found a lot of original footage, went out and found people to interview. I helped him on a few of the interviews, bought some camera mm-hmm. equipment, and helped him out, and. And you know it was a lot of work, but he put it together, and it's a it's a friggin' amazing movie, and he's done well with it. And now they've uh, had showings of it at different places, and for some reason he um, he says, "Hey T, you want to you know MC this showing?" You know, so I kind of get up on stage and introduce it. And, um, and right now I'm trying to encourage him to keep making movies. He's a great guy, Chris, and uh, I think he's a great documentary maker. He, he's got a good sense for editing and and the questions to ask and interviewing. Uh, so, he's got some ideas for other projects. Maybe doing a uh, documentary on uh, the Modern Lovers was one of his ideas he wanted to do, which I would love. Uh, so I told him, I says, you know, if you need help, maybe even, you know, camera work or financial mm-hmm. backing or something, maybe we can, you know, do something. So I'm I'm hoping he's gonna you know, get get going on another project. But in the meantime, uh, this movie he's done, The Boys from Nowhere, is is done mm-hmm. well and. Uh, continues to gain momentum so mm-hmm. it's good to see a childhood friend like Chris a uh, good buddy of mine uh, uh, do well and I mm-hmm. want to support him so what's his name again do you know is there other Chris Chris, yeah is there uh, anywhere did you know where we can follow up with, with the uh, movie Chris or Parsland? yeah uh, well I forget the name of his film company he's got mm-hmm. his own film company and he's trying to negotiate a DVD release of it mm-hmm. or get it on a Netflix as we speak but it's called the boys from nowhere mm-hmm. Uh, and so far, it's been. Sh- it seems every few months they do a showing somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, um, you, I, I would imagine within by you know the end of the year he'll have a DVD deal or a Netflix. You know what's the who even watch a DVD anymore? Right. You no, know, but get it out there right. on Netflix or something right. streaming. You yeah. know uh, Duncan Wilder Johnson, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he did the uh, he did a Sam Black Church documentary. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. I can't wait to see it. Now Duncan's a good artist in his own right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I interviewed him a while back about the when he was putting the documentary out and everything. When is it coming out? I'd love to see. Uh, it. I, I think it's already out now. I think you can see like a trailer. On, I think it's called "Leave Behind a Groove in the Earth: The Story of Sam Black Church." And they certainly did. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were they were an amazing band, mm-hmm. and they do occasional reunion shows. So it's mm-hmm. it's good to see them back. Yeah, they're like another like a kind of a local band that uh, a lot of like bigger bands were influenced by. I think it didn't really get their own their own due. I guess so. It kind of tells that that story. I guess. Yeah, because they never compromised. Mm-hmm. 
I, uh, I, I like them a lot, and uh, especially live, they put on amazing shows. So mm-hmm. it's good to see Duncan did a doc on them. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of good. Uh, there's a documentary on Slapshot that just came out, mm-hmm. and then uh, Ian McFarland, the bass player from uh, Blood for Blood, did a documentary on uh, the Kings of Hardcore. I think it's called. It's about mm-hmm. Agnostic Front. Mm-hmm. That just came out, and that's that got shown on Netflix, I believe, or Hulu or something. So. Mm-hmm. Or Showtime. So Ian's done good documentary work, um, and he's a great guy. Uh, yeah, it's just always good to see movies about rock and roll. You know, I went out and saw the Queen movie. I like that. Uh, oh yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, uh-huh. Now there's some movie about the uh, Norwegian black uh-huh. metal. I just saw I, I saw the uh, Joan Jett Bad Reputation oh, yeah, documentary. I see that one. Yeah, 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 I love I love her stuff. And Lords of Chaos or something uh-huh. is the one about the that Norwegian black metal band that mm-hmm. I want to go see. Yeah. The Joan Jett one's on Hulu now, I think. Oh, but I went to see it at the, uh, what was the, one of the local theater. They did like a, like a one night screening in a theater. So oh, that, was, was that was pretty cool. Oh, wow. I, I thought it was good. I think if you're, I think if you're a real fan, a lot of the clips you might have, you might have seen, but uh, I think it's, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always thought she was, I loved her style. And mm-hmm. Had a crush on her. I think she's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've seen her twice. Yeah, it was yeah. great. Um, yeah, I thought that that was a, that was a good one. Uh, and then, what was the other um, with the Welch Boys? You guys just did a like a, um, a benefit show. You lost well, your you drummer, really right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Because our first drummer, Rev. Ron Holbrook, uh, passed away about ten or twelve years ago, mm-hmm. and he was a good friend of mine even before the band. Uh, so every year we try to get together and do a memorial show with a few bands and raise a little money and mm-hmm. <coughs> I think we give it to uh, what Pine Street Inn. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Every year Pine Street Inn, which is a homeless shelter. So whatever we raise, you know, a couple grand or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just one night to get together and with some bands that we like. Uh, we, we play at the Great Scott. Uh, Carl Lavin is a great guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Bowery booking, he books it. And... Uh, you know, we have fun. It's a great occasion to get together, and and the rest of the Welsh boys all remember Ronnie, and it gives us a chance to remember him. He was a great guy. Mm-hmm. Any other anecdotes with him? He was like one of the original yeah, guys. Yeah. Uh, well, when I was I was in the Blue Bloods, and uh, Blue Bloods started playing in like every weekend, Syracuse, New York, or whatever. was the Blue Bloods your, your own band too, or was that yeah? Somebody I started else? the Blue Bloods with uh, Tim Baxter, the singer. Mm-hmm. So I basically, we toured Europe with Blood for Blood and Slapshot in 2003. It was mm-hmm. the back on the map Boston tour. It was awesome for like a whole month in Europe. And after that, I was just like my wife, you know, <laughs> we had babies and stuff, right? Right, so, right. Back to like, like the family yeah. balancing it. Yeah. I, I had to leave the Blue Bloods and they continued without me. And uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, that's when I started up the Welch Boys. I'm, I'm, I'm drifting. What was the original question again? Uh, I guess... Um, I just anecdote any anecdotes of like uh, with your original drummer. Oh yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah. All right. So I started. The, I wrote a few songs and I had a little bit of a studio on my cellar, mm-hmm. and I said, "Fuck, man, I gotta keep keep going." You know what? What was I put on this planet to do? You know, one of the things maybe make a little music, mm-hmm. right? Leave something behind. You were saying. Yeah. yeah. You talked about the. What you say? Let's face it. We're not normal people because we're compelled to. Because as far as document, this is drifting off. But as far as documentary goes, me, you have it's quite a documentary. All the episodes of Sonic Lobotomy, the TV show, all these great live performances from bands in the studio. You know, 
Yeah, it's kind of I'm inspired by like the uh, Smith, the guy who did folkways. Uh -huh. So he went out and collected all it's this all folk, folk music. And we never know what it was from the 40s and 50s if mm -hmm. this guy didn't do that. So, mm -hmm. that, you know, that inspired. And, and any artist, I guess, you know, we all realize our mortality and we want to just leave something positive behind, right? Mm -hmm. So you know, I quit the Blue Bloods and I mm -hmm. started thinking, what am I doing here? I got to keep going, keep something going. And I, Welch boys, you know, kind of came together, and I, I was like, well, what musicians do I know? And I know this guy, Ronnie, we used to jam on Zeppelin songs, and mm -hmm. he was my friend since, like, high school, and let's see if I can get him interested. I know he doesn't know <laughs> any punk music. <laughs> no friggin' Dead Kennys or Black Flag or nothing, uh -huh. but I know he's a talented drummer. So I talked to him in a playing in the band, and then I recruited a few other guys, Mark Powell was our bassist, mm -hmm. and I was on that Back on the Map tour with Slapshot in Europe in mm -hmm. 2003, and, and I thought the guitarist from Slapshot would be a good front man. Mm -hmm. So I kind of talked him into singing, Ed Lally, great singer. Um, and uh, we recruited uh, Ronnie on drums, and my buddy PJ, another guy who doesn't know any punk rock, still doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you could go PJ, and he's in the Wells Boys. You could, PJ, what's your favorite Black Flag song? You wouldn't right. know. You know, but I recruited him to play, and you know we hit it off pretty good. And mm -hmm. it's a lot easier when you got you know a jam spot and st studio set up, and mm -hmm. we're like, shit, this is fun. So that was 15 years ago, whatever, and we just keep going, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, Ron. So anecdotes about Ronnie. Yeah, no, Ronnie used to, you know, Ronnie was like. Uh, passive aggressive, you know. <laughs> so he'd sit behind his drum kit, and then Mark Powers would kind of like dig into him, our bass player, and rag on him and shit on him over some stupid thing, make fun of him. And then Ronnie just fucking flipped and jumped over his drums and tried to strangle Mark Powers. And uh, that was that was a good anecdote. And I had to calm him down, you know. But uh, eventually, this goes back to like we're not we're not normal people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we want to leave something behind. Yeah, we were all, you know, pretty, uh, bands were always involved. It was always, emotions were accentuated by alcohol. <laughs> but PSA episode. I remember, that's what I remember most about Ronnie. He just, you know, he was the nicest guy in the world until you pushed him too far. And then he fucking snapped. And, uh, you know, to see Ronnie just jump, vault himself over his drum kit at practice and try to strangle Mark, who's <laughs> bigger than him. And, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was, yeah, I was gonna. It just makes me think of like, what's the logistics as far as like touring Europe and all that kind of being like a, kind of like, I mean, would you still say like an independent band like lo still being local, but then like, kind of like organizing something like like touring uh, Europe and all. Well, that's a unique thing in Europe. They have an in infrastructure in place for bands that want to tour, and they have a desire to see American bands. Um, I think the world likes some American rock and roll. They realize, you know, Americans kind of, I guess we invented rock and roll, maybe us mm -hmm. and the British, right, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, there is a love of American, especially underground music I see over there, mm -hmm. uh, to the point where even a, a, a band like the Welch Boys, who are certainly not huge over here, have an opportunity to play in Europe and not have to pay a ton of money to tour there for a few mm -hmm. weeks. And get on. They had, in Europe. They have these festivals in these big fields with 30 bands, you know, and like sick of it all or something. Be headlining mm -hmm. and all these band, local bands mm -hmm. underneath, and they always have American bands too. So, you know, I've toured Europe a few times. Mm -hmm. um, we did this last one with Bone Crusher, and they've been touring every year in Europe for tw 10 years or whatever. So they had that built-in following, 
and they took us. They were our buddies from L.A. Bone Crusher, great guys, mm-hmm. great band. Uh, so they they took us over to Europe with them last year, and we had a blast. And we mm-hmm. played everywhere, in Germany and Belgium, and uh, yeah, logistically, it's it's you know you get you get in a van, you you load on you know you get over there, they get the equipment for you, and you got to drive in the autobahn. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Anyone who says the autobahn's a good road to drive is full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks. Especially in a friggin' van, you know, a Euro van. But, uh, you know, we had fun. It was the good, best times and the worst of times, you know? Uh, <laughs> I'd do it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm 50 fucking two years old touring Europe, you know? I mean, when I was 18, I would have loved to do that, but I didn't at the time. Yeah. But now it's like, you know, my wife let me go for a few weeks, and that's what I did. I toured Europe and played uh, some some good shows and had some good memories and there were actually some people over there who knew the who knew the hell we were and knew our lyrics and stuff so that was inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was gonna say with stuff like Spotify now it can kind of su- suggest you like you know uh, bands that sound like similar maybe like similar genres yeah. that maybe and that's how people get turned yeah. on away so I guess you know if you go out there in Spotify and you listen to Dropkicks and you like bands maybe we come up you know and mm-hmm. so it's a uh, yeah, I think that's been good. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't make any money off of Spotify, but I'm not even in this for the money. Mm-hmm. You know, so Spotify helps us spread. Uh, you know, we used to listen to vinyl and cassettes when I was younger, but nowadays people, most people are getting their music out of YouTube or Spotify, and that's cool. Right. You know, it's spreading the, the music around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, no, it was a adventure, and I'd do it again. Mm-hmm. Let a lot of sleep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but are you still, like, are you able to break even with something like that? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and we and we're relatively obscure, you know, mm-hmm. but we were still able to break even. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, it cost me a lot less than if I would take my family to Europe, right? Right, right. right. You know, maybe a plane ticket, and then we get over there, and everything else to take care of the the booking agencies over there are really good. Mm-hmm. There's some good people over there, mm-hmm. um, and then you know, like countries like Germany and stuff, and Belgium and. France and they just eat up American. Uh, Get a taste of Boston, like that great. Uh, who did the Welch Boys logo? That's like a skull and a oh, yeah. shamrock. Yeah, I, I came up with that idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, uh, why don't we superimpose this cool looking skull on this clover? <laughs> you know, and and then it just worked out it's good. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm Irish, so you know yeah, Welch. Yeah. I don't know. Uh-huh. It's, we're not really playing Irish music like the Dropkicks, but. It's, I got Irish blood, so uh-huh. I can hear it though in the in the singer though that similar kind of drop yeah, sound. Yeah, it's like. half Irish, you know. Yeah. We don't we don't play it up a lot outside of the, the clover and the logo, mm-hmm. but I think a it, lot of good drinking songs though. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> bar yeah, Common thread. Yeah. yeah, you know we all like to tip them back once in a while with within reason. <laughs> uh, so you know a lot of the, the lyrics that come out are whether I'm writing it or yeah. Mark or Ed they're about. Mm-hmm. But you know, a lot of them about the downsides of drinking too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's a lesson uh, in, in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you're, you know, if you listen to a song of ours like "Drinking Angry," it's really about um, uh, someone whose life uh, has been in family life and relationships have been uh, torn apart by drinking. So, uh-huh. and, and you know, there, maybe there's a little of me in that song, but not really. Um, so it, it, to me, it's like a cautionary type song. Right. You know, I don't. It's, it's like yeah. anthemic. I feel like for that Boston bar crowd, like one way or the other, like good and bad. 
bad. I feel like. Yeah, maybe they're singing along and they don't realize. They, they drink and angry. They think it's a good thing. It was like that uh, the rapper uh, Afro Man. He did that song because I got high. Yeah. And it's all like, yeah. and people are like, "That's my drug jam." It's like, dude, it's about how he like ruined his. He can't yeah. do anything because he got high. He like yeah. ruined his life. You know. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna eat. I was gonna eat your pussy out, but then I got high. <laughs> I was gonna clean my room, but then, but then I. But then I got high, yeah. Because yeah, I, got I think high. Afro Man is—he probably smokes a ton of pot, but I think that particular song is about excess. Right. right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Right. So if you really listen to the the details, so it, it it's like a lesson. Like um, it's uh, maybe like like for your son Owen who's getting ready to go off to college, right? <laughs> like he, uh, which I knew him. He's been like fault like in the control room in Sonic Lobotomy for like for like years now growing up with uh, seeing this show and all these bands and things and isn't he working on his own some of his own yeah, music he's, now he's become a pretty good guitar player I've mm -hmm. had him take lessons all his life mm -hmm. and he's got good musical taste mm -hmm. you know and uh, he's got his band he's gathered a few musicians around him uh, so it's kind of inspiring seeing the kid uh, doing what he's doing you know mm -hmm. I mean music is part of his life it, it, mm -hmm. probably just as much as mine mm -hmm. and my other sons as well you know they all mm -hmm. love music so um, yeah I think it's a good thing and whenever I can I try to get him to come and attend a sonic lobotomy shooting yeah, whether yeah. I need him for camera or whatever and he likes it he likes the clash so he had and the Ramones so he had fun today watching that yeah, whole thing yeah. go down I thought it was really fun he was telling me uh, earlier that uh He's like, uh, he's like, when my dad had like little me on on camera, like how many shows I ruined or something, <laughs> and like, I think it's it's all part of the punk rock, uh, the DIY spirit, like that you yeah, have. He's yeah. still trying to trying to find his own own thing. Own he's thing. Still, he doesn't have the confidence that maybe we'll come to him later as he gets mm -hmm. better. But I think you, I'm really I I see him play with his friends and sometimes I'll go downstairs and pick up a guitar and jam with him. Nice. And um, you know I really I like the direction his playing is going. Uh -huh. um, he's got big fingers, mm -hmm. and uh, he just got a passion for guitar and, and playing. You know I mean when you walk in the room and you you're sitting down with you know on the couch with a guitar it's it's pretty cool. You know mm -hmm. you know so he's picking that up every day and he. He something inside him, other than me saying, "Hey, you know, I play guitar. You should play guitar." You know, so that's coming from inside him. Yeah, I was mentioning the. Uh, I mentioned how uh, the you saw one of the, your last Sonic Lobotomy episodes, the band Denzel that you said they were kind of had oh, like a yeah, bad bad brains yeah. sound, and uh, yeah. he was saying, "Yeah, he said, uh, you know, on his own, like, oh yeah, any band that you know can sound like the the bad brains, not just in the sound, but like a like a performance, yeah. you know." Is a great thing. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, no, hey, he was uh, inspired by that Denzel show, mm -hmm. and he he likes a lot of the same bands I do. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so it was, uh, you know, yeah, a couple more minutes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh, so it was, um, yeah, it was a. Uh, it's good that that he's got good musical taste. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and he, he likes his roots. You know, <laughs> Bad Brains, and uh -huh. um, you know, he uh, he likes a lot of the bands I do, and then he likes his own stuff. He'll say, Dad, you know, check these guys out. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, so he connects me to the newer stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So who got you into music? Did you find it kind of find it on your own, or kind of happened in a vacuum? I got to say, my parents weren't really musical. Uh, they were, you know, great parents, you know, but 
they didn't need, you know, when I started playing guitar, they didn't really encourage me, you mm -hmm. know, or I tried to get my friends over to jam, and they were like, no, that can't happen here. <laughs> uh, so, can't happen here. Yeah. That was like a Frank Zappa thing, I think. <laughs> Don't eat the yellow snow. Yeah. My guitar wants to kill you, mama. But, uh, yeah, so it was um, kind of a... Uh, I don't know, I, I, things like uh, watching Saturday Night Live growing up and the musical guest, I'd always like Gary Newman come on. I'd be like, whoa, what the fuck is this? You yeah. know? <laughs> and so then I'd say, Dad, Gary Newman's playing the Orpheum of 1981 or 80. And, yeah. and I, you know, wasn't old enough to go on my own. My dad, oh, yeah, I'll take you. You know, and, and then so he took me to see Gary Newman at the Orpheum, and it was just like, he, he didn't, he was just freaked out by it. You know, he's an Elvis guy. You know, he didn't mm -hmm. understand it, but it was cool that he took me. And then, you know, from there, the punk rock. And then that's when the early 80s when hardcore got big in, uh, in Boston. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there were some, I grew up in Malden. There were some hardcore slap shots from Malden. And, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Did you, you got to see, I love Black Flag, too. That's one of your stories that you yeah. kicked Henry Rollins in the mouth accidentally oh, while yeah. crowd surfing. Uh, <laughs> I, saw, yeah. I had my dog Martin boots on. And I went to yeah. see him at Brandeis or some college. And, mm -hmm stage dive and I kicked him in the mouth by accident. I swear it was an accident. And that was when he was really at odds with the fans, too, or the fans were pretty aggressive towards him, too, I yeah, think. Yeah, I don't yeah. blame him. You know, he got sick of getting it. You know, after a certain point, they wanted to play slower and heavier and mm -hmm. didn't want the slam dancing and shit, and here I was up on stage fucking jumping on him. You know, so I, I think he got pissed and stopped the show and tried to get people to find me and beat me up. At, at which point I ran outside, just fucking kept running. Oh, you know? <laughs> yeah, in the hay, in his heyday, that was he pretty. He lost a chicklet because of my fucking Doc Martin. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, but no, yeah, I like Black Flag. I'm sorry, Henry. Yeah, he would have kicked my ass too. I was a little scrawny guy. But, yeah, I like. Seems those. to have plenty of those stories. Yeah, I get a lot of fucking stories about those days. Those, mm -hmm. are, those are good times to grow up mm -hmm. in Boston. I think you'll be like, like Henry Rollins has plenty of the storytelling now that he, that he does. Come away with plenty of stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can wrap this up. If, oh, like yeah. He was, we're closing, it, closing us down at the yeah. Salem Access TV channel. Yeah. No, this is, a, this is great cool. to have a chance to talk to you, Mike. Uh, yeah, I'll stick, I'll stick some of your music in here. Or, if, yeah. or I'll find the, uh, if I can find that Ramones interview. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. look for it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. All right. So yeah, check out anything. Uh, plug your stuff. Uh, Sonic Lobotomy is on YouTube, right? All yeah. Stuff. If you go out at YouTube and put in Sonic Lobotomy, YouTube slash Sonic Lobotomy, you can get all 69 episodes of the show. Mm -hmm. uh, Welch Boys is still going. Uh, we hope to have a new album, you know, this sometime this year or next year. Mm -hmm. uh, or stream a new set of 10 songs that stream because this album. What is that? You know. Mm -hmm. uh, and. Um, I just uh, encourage everyone to, to create music and be part of, a, of the music scene and keep, keep rock and roll and punk going. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just been wonderful uh, growing up in this town um, and being surrounded by so many people who support music like yourself. Mm -hmm. so. And just, just weird creative people in general. I feel like I'm a fan of too. And then to, I always loved punk rock too. And then to, to get a, have kind of sonic lobotomy be another gateway i mean i got into uh like when i was in like junior high school i got into the tv and the video stuff but then i was always into you know rock and roll too so it's great to have a marriage of of those things and get and then and then now kind of uh you know like radio and meet the marriage of, of media and documenting people and I'm trying to use it as an excuse to connect with people like yourself uh, glad to be here glad to talk to you 
Yeah, yeah, it's podcasts and things like that, mm-hmm. like your your thing, mm-hmm. that uh, keep keep it rolling. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the essence of life is in the, uh, those people who who uh, don't uh, swim with the other fish, right? Right, and to support each other. And best case scenario, parents, you know, support your within reason, support your kids. You know, they'll they'll believe what you tell them when they're <laughs> starting out, right? So, be as positive as you can, right? Yeah, if you're going to introduce children into this world. Uh, you have the ability to shape their tastes and and uh, create that person that they become. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to be overbearing, and but you know at the same time, um, if you play it right, you know they end up cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, and uh, so you you know you just expose them to the the good stuff, and uh, uh, it's, it's it's a wonderful thing. It, it keeps going generations into the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Do our part to keep it going and document it. All right, so uh, check out uh, more of my uh, chats with artists and my uh, my friends. Check them out on experimentalyield.com. Check out TJ Welch, Sonic Lobotomy, the Welch Boys. Check out the Blue, Bu- Blue, the Blue Bloods if you haven't uh, heard them. And uh, all right, experimentalyield.com. And uh, until next time, persist to get ill.
Barfly I've ever seen. You act like some weird blue blood, like royalty. Oh. <laughs> oh. Wasn't aware of that. Thank you. I remember back when we started, but this is just a turning time. I 
You who build these altars now to sacrifice these children, you must not do it anymore. <laughs> 